Good morning, Northlanders, and welcome to Sound Off. The Sound Off host is Brad Bennett, who has served this country as a Marine Corps sergeant during the Vietnam War and has served this community as a three-term member of the Duluth School Board. Now, Sound Off, and let your voice be heard. Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Hey, hey, gang. Welcome to a Monday morning here on Sound Off on 610 KDAL. Kenny, what's it doing outside? Please don't tell me it's snowing. But we did hit the record, did we not? Well, we exceeded 100 inches uh, so far on the seasonal snowfall total. Right now, uh, there's uh, uh, there's some sun busting through. I see no snow outside of the... Or snow, yes. I see no snow falling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Outside the yeah. You see a lot of snow on the ground. Yes, yeah. yes. As a matter of fact, uh, not counting the three-plus inches we got uh, uh, recently here in the last uh, 12 hours, uh, Duluth had a 29-inch snow depth, which is Whew. pretty uh, pretty respectable uh, this time of the yeah, year. Yeah, it really is. really is. 29 inches. Well, anyway, we've got a lot of things to discuss today. Have you noticed how we're starting to see a little bit again uh, the Antifi movement? We got it going down in Georgia, down in the south here. Uh, of all things, Georgia, the Atlanta Police Department, uh, Atlanta Police Department is a huge police department because of the size of Georgia, the size of Atlanta, and how much it has grown and expanded out. So they were going to build a police academy. Uh, out away from the city, uh, it's in a kind of a rural area, uh, but the the uh, city of Atlanta purchased the land. They had the, all the plans done. They had the the uh, territory kind of uh, cordoned off, fencing around it and stuff. But they were going to put in a uh, full service uh, police academy there, train uh, everything from how to help put out fires, how to do CPR, uh, of of course. Uh, marksmanship training, uh, how to how to uh, deal with crowd controls, all that kind of stuff. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we have had uh, numerous of these radical goofballs. These uh, well, they they've arrested seven of them over the weekend, and I swear to God, when you look at the the pictures of the seven, you think. Oh my God! Is this the uh, is this the '60s all over again? These wild-eyed radical Vietnam veteran or Vietnam protesters because they all look the same. They all got hair disheveled. They all got tattoos on their face. They all uh, when you see them, uh, well, over the weekend, what what they did is they attacked a police checkpoint at the gate for where they would check equipment in and out that we're going to build everything from barracks to house the students that were coming in uh, to a range, to a police range, to a firefighting uh, area, to all these different things. They attacked it with people fully dressed in body armor, covered faces, covered heads, everything completely covered, throwing and shooting uh, large uh, explosive fireworks. Right at the police officers. I mean, I see. I seen two of these guys at the gates being hit with these large uh, projectile fireworks, throwing sparks and things all over the place. Well, they arrested seven of them, and they all come from different uh, places all over the country. One's from Mississippi. One's from Minnesota. One's from North Dakota. One's from Miss Missouri. One's from. Uh, I mean, they're all part of this uh, group 
of uh, radicals. And I'll tell you what, if we don't get a control on this very quickly, uh, we are going to be right back to that point uh, back, uh, you know, when when that whole Antifa thing started up with groups running wild. Of course, they used the, uh, as the paper down here said, they originally used the George Floyd murder in Minneapolis or the the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis as the kickoff point for radicalism all over the country. That was the fuse that lit the spark. But it's happening all over. And what's happening is that the police departments have been told, you know, don't respond real hard. Don't be real harsh to these poor young children. Most of them are just, you know, high school, college age kids. Uh, they're just having a little fun. I'm sure they're not telling them that, but they're te- but they're telling them not to uh, not to stormtrooper in there and arrest them uh, for throwing uh, you know fireworks and Molotov cocktails or whatever else. But you see the scenes of these idiots; they're running around high fiving each other. Oh yeah, I hit a cop with that firework, man! Let's give a high five here. And the police are standing back, uh, not responding. And I'm sure the police department is thinking. Yeah, here we go again. Just more of this same nonsense that we're told by our city leaders not to respond. Well, you know what? The 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 general public is getting fed up with that crap. And it I, I think it came to a head in Chicago a week or so ago when Lori Lightfoot ended up to be what fourth or fifth on the candidate total of the trying to get reelected. She needed to be one of the top two. She wasn't even close. I think she got 17% because there again, Chicago has had a uh, a huge uh, influx in serious crimes. Uh, the police department has been basically told to stand down. They've allowed people that are arrested to be released without bail. And they get it. They end up, get, uh, you know, having the same thing happen again where they're, the people are getting arrested over and over again for the same thing. So, Unless we want to turn over our society to George Soros and let him turn us into a socialistic, monolistic uh, country, uh, we we better start getting a handle on crime and we better start addressing it like we're supposed to be doing. So that's my monologue for today. (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get too ratty there or too uh, carried away. But it is, you know, and and the thing of it is that it, it is coming at us in almost every part of society. I got a story here this morning off of the wire services um, about the number of teachers quitting the teaching profession. It's at an all-time high. And why? Well, I underlined one thing. They said part of the effect or what's turning uh, teachers against the the teaching profession is uh, the ability to help. It's, It's... it's causing real negative uh, influxes at the school. Um, in other words, the violence and the students that are out of control, it's making it very difficult to make up any of the lost learning that happened during the pandemic. We have a spiking teacher stress level, student behavior challenges, and on and on. Well, you know, they're seeing the same things happen there. We, we've we seen it happen in our own school system. Uh, a number of us saw the videos last year from Denfeld High School where you had a bunch of students go crazy and start fighting and throwing things at each other in the hall. 
and even hitting teachers who tried to step in and, and break up the melee. Well, teachers are, you know, they're looking at this and saying, what the heck is going on? I mean, uh, first of all, I didn't do a good job of teaching students during the pandemic because the uh, the system, as they say, said we had to lock the students out. We had to keep them out of schools. We had to tell them that they would learn online. And you know what? They didn't learn online very good, or very few of them did anyway. And so we've got a combination of that happening. We've got students that are out of control. A lot of students are uh, are having emotional problems because of COVID, because of uh, being away from uh, their friends for over a year. And they're just seeing the deterioration of... Uh, violence and vandalism and everything else throughout our whole society. And I think when a society uh, like ours uh, starts to completely come unraveled, it's uh, it's not going to be good for the future of our kids and our grand grandkids. You know, I'll be gone long before, hopefully before this totally falls apart. But I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a nightmare. You know, you, you just... I'm glad you're talking about this, Brad, because it is a nightmare. We just learned, you talked about this uh, last week, week before, 19 Minnesota schools had zero students perform at grade level in math. Yeah. For those of you that are challenged by math, zero means none. Not one student in the entire school district was up to grade level in math. And so what is in Governor... 19 schools. Yeah, and, and this is on the heels of Governor Wall saying that we want to make Minnesota the best state in the country for kids. What does that mean? Does that mean kids that go to school? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Teacher Kenny? unions you know, have failed... The people they're supposed to be educating. Oh, no doubt about it. And and now schools, even in Minneapolis or even even here in Minnesota, schools right now because of the legislation session that's going on right now, uh, they're they're taking a look at keeping kids safe, keeping students safe and sound while in school. Costs money, of course. You know, and when they went to all the districts or when all the districts said after George Floyd and the radicals showed up at the schools and said, well, you got to get them, you got to get them police officers out of the schools. Well, and the schools went along with, oh, yeah, well, okay, we'll get the uniformed officers out. Now you got kids stabbing each other in school, shooting each other, uh, causing all kinds of uh, disrespect and problems. Well, yeah, it it is a problem, Brad. Yeah, it's a huge it problem. And we're seeing this across the nation where parents are showing up in droves and they're angry at school boards. They want change. They don't want these policies that they're trying to impose, uh, woke policies, what have you, culture yeah. policies. Teach our kids. We want That's our kids exactly to what learn. They're saying. Yes, they're saying, look, let us be the guide to our kids' social background or what they accept. We're the parents. Let us do that. You teach our kids reading, writing, arithmetic, maybe a foreign language, some things like that. We don't need all this other nonsense. They get enough of that in society. I have a feeling, Brad, that the future uh, is going to change because woke policies, leftists, progressives— Uh, extreme uh, Democrat policies, call it what you want. This isn't popular amongst mainstream. 
No, no, not at all, not at all. And it's there is starting to be backslash and back back flashes towards it. So, well, we're going to take our first break. Uh, Kenny, I'm going to have to switch my headset. I'm having a little bit of problem with one of my hearing aids, so I have to. I've had mine turned up so I could hear a little bit. I but I'm going to. I'm going to change my headset while we're Good. away on break here. Okay. All right. We'll be back shortly. KDAL time is 11:25, and again, I'm seeing. Uh, I'm not really seeing sunlight. I'm just seeing bright, uh, bright skies. Maybe it's mostly cloudy right now. I see no snow falling in downtown Duluth, and Brad, they have still. Uh, kept this uh, winter storm warning up uh, in effect till 6 p.m. So maybe they know something we don't hear in, at the National Weather Service. But nonetheless, uh, we did get about three inches of snow, and we're expecting more, apparently. Really? Uh, but only three inches, Kenny. I'm surprised. Well, it came down fast and furious. It was of the fluffy variety, and it made for uh, a, a very nice uh, landscape. It was very pretty. Too bad you're missing this, Brad. Oh, I'm not missing it. <laughs> You're down in the uh, area. Did you hear about this man in Florida? Where was it? Daytona Beach. He opened up the door of his uh, front of his house, and he got bit. He got attacked by an alligator and bit. <laughs> I missed that one. A Florida man <laughs> is recovering after being attacked by attacked by an alligator. He reportedly opened the front door to his Daytona Beach home. Saturday night was attacked by the gator. It lunged at the man, bit him on his upper thigh, and uh, the alligator (laughs) was euthanized. Well, of course, yes. Yeah. Open up your door. No, I, I thought I thought maybe you were referring to the guy. We have had the first case ever in the United States of a brain eating amoeba amoeba uh, killing a guy. And uh, his his brain got uh, infected, and uh, so they wanted to find out, you know, where, whoa, we got to figure out where this came from. So they started checking the guy out. They started checking his friends, his family, everybody, the, everything. They, they went into everything he did. And guess where this bacteria came from? Have Wait, you heard about this story yet? I have. Okay. It came from his neti pot. Do you know what a neti pot is? I do. That, yeah. It's, you put water in it, and it uh, bubbles somehow or whatever, and then you stick this thing, part of it, in your nose, and you inhale the, the, the liquid and the medication that's in it, evidently, into your nose. It goes through your nose, comes back out through the other side, the other nostril, and back into the neti pot. Well... Evidently, the neti pot says right on it when you buy it, use only distilled water. Distilled water. Well, this guy used water right out of his tap, out Uh of his sink. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And they said, this this bacteria can be in your drinking water. But believe it or not, if you drink it through your mouth, you will not get this this bacteria that will eat your brain. But if you suck it in through your nasal passage, it goes right up to the area that's close to your brain and gets into your brain. And this guy, this amoeba took off. And before he got very sick, it was inside his brain and there was not a thing they could do with it. About 95% of the people that ever get this die from it. And, And this gentleman died from it. 
So there's your health tip of the day for all of you out there that are using these neti pots thinking that uh, thinking that they're wonderful, and, and they are. I mean, they can do wonderful things. They do cl- kill bacteria only if you use distilled water and the right mixture of whatever liquid uh, medication you're supposed to put in and or the the medical service down here in Florida said and or put uh, drinking water, tap water in a pan on the stove and boil the bejesus out of it for about 10 minutes. And then let it sit and put it in the neti pot. In other words, you got to kill off whatever bacteria there could be uh, that's out there. Boil the bejesus out of it, huh? Mm. Yeah, that's it. That's that, a that's a new terminology. That's that's one heck of a boil. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So yeah, it was a surprise. So an alligator attack. What, what did the alligator knock on the guy's door? Hey, let me in. I'm pizza, out here. Pizza delivery. <laughs> Yeah, pizza delivery, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Domino's, Domino's out here. <laughs> oh, that's, well, it's funny, but it's sad at the same time. I mean, we've talked about it, Kenny. There's some crazy stuff that happens down here in some of the areas. Uh, you know, luckily on our golf course here, we don't have any water. There's no water hazards. Uh, there's nowhere where a gator really? could Really? Uh, no water around. hazards? No water hazards at all. It wow. was all built on a... F- well, kind of a flat and hilly area, but yeah. no, they didn't put any water in at all, uh, purposely to keep um, any anything like that out of it. But uh, you see, you you and I have both seen the video of the guy where a gator took his small dog. He was out walking his dog around the pond, and this gator came yeah. out, grabbed his little dog, yep. and went in. And the guy went in after it. Yeah. And, and grabbed the gator, yes. pried its mouth open, took the dog out, yep. threw the gator back in the water, and took off, and his dog lived. All while smoking a cigar. Yep. The whole time he had a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> I think it was a cigar, wasn't it? Now, that's one bad dude, <laughs> you know? Oh, well, you know what, folks? we got to go to CBS News. I did change my uh, my headset, Kenny. Is it better? Yes, it is. Thank you. Okay, good, good. All right, so we're going to go to CBS News, and then we'll come back. we got a lot to get into today, folks. KDAL time is 1135. 34 is the current temperature at the National Weather Service. We're above freezing. That's a that's a dang heat wave you guys are having right now <laughs> compared to what it's been. 39 was our official high temp yesterday, 39. 32 is normal this time of the year. Brad, the record high for March 6th. How about 1987? 60. Wow. Yeah. Double what we're at right now. That's impressive. And I believe that's so, the earliest 60 on record, March 6th, 1987. Yeah, probably. Um, so we're over the record on, on snowfall. We're over well, the 100. Record, uh, we're over 100 yeah. inches. <laughs> we're over 100 inches, yeah. That is incredible. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's move along this morning. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, a proposal that Excel has made uh, uh, about charging stations. It may, you probably heard about this one already, Kenny, but the uh, Excel Energy has uh, made a proposal. You know, because everybody's pushing for this clean energy. We got to have clean energy. Well, to have a, a, an electric vehicle, you got to have electric charging. And to have electric charging, you got to have electricity. And so electricity's got to be produced someplace. 
and they're producing it in uh, nuclear energy, wind, uh, any kind, anything they can do. But the the state of Minnesota was saying, "Man, we don't we don't have enough energy charging, when, uh, enough vehicle charging spots." So XL Energy came along and said, uh, "Well, you know what? We're going to try to help that out. We're going to propose a uh, we're going to propose seven hundred and thirty electric vehicle fast chargers." to be made available, this would make Minnesota home to the largest utility-owned charging system in the country. Well, that's where the problem comes in. (laughs) Because um, how do you feel, uh, how do you Northlanders feel about, maybe you don't own an electric vehicle. You might not own an electric vehicle, but but you are getting your electricity from XL Energy here in Minnesota. And XL is going to pay for those 730 electrical fast charging stations by charging everybody more on their monthly utility bill. Wait a minute, that's not fair. Is that fair? That can't be fair. I don't want to pay for some guy's charging. (laughs) The Minneapolis-based utility and state's largest Seize the plan as a catalyst to jumpstart. Now I'm reading you out of the Minneapolis Star here to jumpstart the tepid electric vehicle market in Minnesota. Well, to me, this sounds like socialism. Let, let let's have charging stations, but but most people don't have electric vehicles. But that's okay. It's for the betterment of everybody. But the key questions are fueling opposition to the proposal. Should a utility own a network that big? And should rate payers foot the $192 million cost? The gas stations and EV charging industry say, no way. Nobody helped us uh, build our gas stations. Uh, Nobody helped. We had to build our own gas station, set up our own system to provide gas to customers when they came in. Nobody built it for us. The Minnesota Department of Commerce roundly opposes the plan as well. And consumers have chimed in with more than 50 writing to the Minnesota utility regulators already. And almost every one of them opposed to the system set up the way it is. This is unacceptable, as I am not an owner of an EV and should not be obligated to pay for their infrastructure. See what it has become, Northlanders. It's you against us. Us uppities with our EVs, with our Teslas and stuff. We want you to pay for our gas stations. Bob Voynick of Eden Prairie wrote in comments to the big big public utility commissions that PUC, if XL Energy wants to build EV charging stations, they can pay for them themselves, but not me on my bill. Opponents also say XL marketing power as a monopoly utility would crowd out private investment, ultimately slowing the growth of EV uh, of EV charging. In other words, private companies are supposed to come in and set up these EVs, much like Private companies came up and set in gas stations around the country when cars became popular. Well, no, that's not what they want. They want the big consumer-driven companies like XL to set it up and they become a monopoly in it and keep the private investors out, which in essence 
they, uh, other utilities around the country have proposed to fund uh, fund through ratepayers a relative modest number of chargers, 20 to 30, but what XL is doing is beyond the pale, said David Filkov, uh, head of American Affordable Clean Energy, which represents truck stops and gas stations, including those in Minnesota owned by Circle K, Holiday Stores, Casey's, and Quick Trip. Excel is proposing to force its ratepayers to pay for most for more fast chargers than any other utility in the country. It is going to have a serious impact on the willingness of private companies to invest in the state of Minnesota, he said. See, this is the, this is typical Minnesota, isn't it? I mean, that's what we are becoming as a mecca for social uh, integration here in this country. Uh, and, and we think nothing of having the biggest consumer energy company put in all these stations and charge everybody equally. But I don't have an EV vehicle. That's okay. You're helping keep the rate low for everybody else. And all the ratepayers would benefit. Because, why? Well, because according to Eli, uh, Eli Malka, who's uh, evidently with XL, he said because carbon dioxide emissions would decline. See, so you're, you're actually helping out by kicking in a little extra money with your bill through XL, even though you don't have an ED, EV, you're keeping carbon dioxide emissions down. This is going to be uh, this is going to be an, an issue, and this was a huge story in yesterday's Star Tribune. Uh, chargers, uh, these charging stations, pose a great chicken and egg conundrum. What came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, electric vehicles or charging stations? Well, more than eighty percent of charging is done at home. Drivers still face range anxiety. You know what that is? That's a new terminology, Northlanders. Range anxiety. That's what people that have EV vehicles have. And as they're driving down the road, they're looking and saying, I have to make it to Minneapolis. I wonder if I have enough charge to make it there. And if I don't, where can I get charged along the way? Where's my EV charging station? It's a scam. I have range. It's a scam, Brad. (laughs) This whole thing is a scam. It's not practical. It's impractical. And it, everybody is doing the reason this is being done is why? Because they are uh, afraid that the t- the earth is getting too warm and the yes, glaciers yes. will melt. Think about that. Oh yeah, yeah. And we're going to take care of it by having so many windmills all over the country. And of course, we already have a major windmill blade depository in Colorado for all of the bad blades. You know, they're made out of carbon fiber. And they go bad. They burn up. They they start to bow and bend. And they got to change them. So they got to have some place to get rid of them. So they've they've started a huge blade depository in Colorado where they're putting all these massive bad blades. In August, XL proposed a network of public fast chargers as the cornerstone of a large three hundred and thirty three million dollar rate payer funded plan aimed at boosting EV adoptions. In other words, if we have a lot of charging stations, you'll be more likely to buy an EV. It also includes 63, $63 million for chargers at multifamily homes 
and $22 million to support electric school bus adoptions. Oh, by the way, most of the school buses that are electric are not made here in America. They're made in Turkey. I got a story on that, too, that we'll get into. The PUC, the Public Utility Commission, will decide this year how much of Excel's proposal becomes reality. Uh, the commission will be hashing out Excel's proposal for a general rate increase of 15.4%, or about $498 million over three years, and then they want to add into that a ratepayer-funded uh, network of about 333 million fast charging stations today at the at the um, in the state of Minnesota today at the legislature uh, they come they compose well in Minnesota anyway they they com they uh, compromise only about or comprise only about one half of one percent of the current EV adoption falls short of hitting the 2030 goal. Uh, the state has about 300 EV fast charging ports. Chargers usually have two ports. The electric vehicle maker Tesla owns about two-thirds of them. Tesla has been very good uh, about when they sell their cars. They put in public charging stations. In fact, uh, if you go down to Hinkley and stop at Toby's, uh, you'll find uh, five or six of them right there that have been put in by Tesla, which uh, opposes Excel's public or public charging plan because they say it's not right for everybody that doesn't own a VEV to pay for charging for those that have them. Also, uh, about 70% share of Minnesota's EV market is owned by Tesla. Tesla is the biggest company. Uh, Tesla's chargers are, are now for Tesla drivers only, though the company reportedly plans on opening uh, some sort of public charging where you can pay a fee to charge whatever kind of car you have at the Tesla charging port. Uh, you know what? we got to go to our Minnesota news break. We'll continue this one and we come back after this here on Sound Off. Oh, by the way, if your thoughts are about a new deck on your home for this summer, maybe new windows to make uh, make your home more energy efficient next year, maybe you got a little bit of a leaky roof uh, because of uh, ice dams and buildups on the eaves. If you're thinking about having any of that work done this year, Jim Peralt Construction is the place to go to to get it done for you. Jim Peralt will answer your questions and any of your calls. If you call Jim Peralt Construction today at 218-723-8477, Jim will make an arrangement for himself or one of his uh, sales reps to come out, sit down with you, talk about the things you want to have done at your home, Give you an estimate, a time frame to have it done, and you'll be on your way to have a new improvements on your home today, courtesy of Peralt Construction. So give them a call today. Get yourself on the schedule so you know it's going to be done this year. And we'll be right back after Minnesota News Break.
AAL time is 11.53, and that is the band Leonard Skinner. That guitar work, that slide work, yeah. is the work of Gary Rosington. We lost a great one. Gary yeah. Rosington died Sunday at the age of 71. He's the last yeah. original Leonard Skinner member. Man, I'll tell you, that was a band. That was a band. Did I ever tell you my Leonard Skinner story? I think I have, haven't I? Well, I About know that the there restaurant. <laughs> yes, there was one at the restaurant. Refresher our memories. Well, they had a place. Uh, we heard. Well, I didn't know that it, uh, one of the members of Leonard Skinner actually owned the band or owned the restaurant. It was their bass player, but it was called Zydeco Steakhouse. <laughs> and I thought well, that's got an interesting name to it, Zydeco Steakhouse. So we stopped there. And we happened to be there on like a Thursday night, and the owner and another guy were playing music. And they were sitting up on the stage playing guitar and playing, uh, you know, different songs. And I thought, wow, these guys are really good. And then, uh, then of course, it kind of comes out in conversation that uh, the, the owner of the restaurant was one of the original members of, uh, uh, of the band. And I thought... Wow! So and and he come around after after he was done playing. He come around and asked everybody, "How was your meal? How was this?" And, uh, and I said, "Oh, the food's great." And blah blah blah. Well, we went back in there about three months later, just in time, so to hear him and his wife going through a divorce. And I mean, hearing them go through it. He was in the office. We were in the back seat, right by his office, and. In comes his ex-wife, or his wife, and she's screaming and yelling, and she pounds on his door, and he says, what do you want? I told the police to keep you out of here. <laughs> and they're going through this whole thing. And she had she had tried to commandeer the employees against him. And so he, not only did he fire her, but he divorced her at the same time and had the authorities come and uh, kick her out of the place. And had a restraining order against her. So he came out after this was all done and after she finally left, he came out and he apologized to everybody for the uh, Jeez. the theatrics during the dinner. And he bought everybody dinner. Do you remember his name? Oh, God, Kenny, I don't. I will. I will tell you this, though. I do remember all around the restaurant he had... Memorabilia, guitars. He had guitars from Brian Adams and different, different, uh, you know, different people had that they had played with on tour and stuff. And he had gotten guitars, had them framed, had a picture of Brian Adams with this guitar in the case. And but I don't remember his name. But it wasn't long after that, after him and his wife bro, uh, divorced, uh, he sold the place or you know gave up on it or whatever. I think I've got it. Okay. Uh, Homosasa. That's it. Neon yep, Neon Leon Zydeco Steakhouse. That's it. <laughs> Run by bass guitarist Leon Wilkerson's nephew. Okay. All right. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh man. That was it. Homosasa, that little town that's about oh maybe twenty miles north of us here up towards Crystal River. Well, see, uh, we've got a caller on hold, and I wasn't able to communicate with you. Uh, can we fit James in before the top of the hour? Of course. Okay. Of course we can. James, how's things up there in Piedmont Heights? <laughs> we got snow again. Isn't this crazy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got back from Florida a little over a week ago, so I'm taking it. <laughs> 
The VA, I don't know if it's through the CBO, Central Business Office, or the GAO, but they want to screw us veterans over by taxing us uh, our veterans' benefits. I think we need to kind of – I just talked to uh, Jamie Stauber, Pete's bro, brother, and yeah. I'm trying to funnel some info because I like, I'd like to be proactive, kind of like the CPAPs, be proactive, not reactive. And yeah, um, no so kidding. I want to bring that to your attention. You might want to look into that. And then uh, I got my pistol back what? from the city of Duluth. You did, finally. Yeah, you know, yeah, because I, I met with the city attorney and his, an, an assistant that was a vet, army vet, and they were pro-Second okay. Amendment. And I says, you Good. did a illegal search and seizure, and uh, um, they nodded their head, and they said, you can pick up your firearm. <laughs> so Outstanding. Uh, so, so yeah. tell me, tell me about what 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 are the VA trying to tax? Or this isn't the VA that's doing this. This is obviously the Biden administration. Yep, yep. They want to they want to. I'd look into it because you you have a lot of connections. Um, they want to do a means test to like future veterans, like if they're under thirty percent, like if they get tetanitis, say they're artillery guy or whatever. They okay, won't sure. And they want to do a. Uh, Jamie, I'm sorry I cut you off, but uh, we're up against time. We'll talk again soon. We'll be back. Hour number two coming up.